When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're digging the Rock and Roll Heaven podcast with LD, Will the Thrill, and TJ2. <laughs> Hey guys, welcome to Rock and Roll Heaven, the podcast where we talk about the lives, careers, and deaths of famous musicians. I am your host, LD, along with me for the ride, as always, is Will the Thrill. Do that, I say to you, greetings and salutations. Oh, nice. That was good. Yeah, that was, that was, that was good. a good one. Yeah. Crisp. Um, yes. What are, what are you drinking? What did I buy you? <laughs> I, uh, I got this pumpkin shit. Basically, it is a pumpkin beer, Oktoberfest. It is delightful. And normally I don't drink during the, the work week. I tell myself I'm not going to do that, but... Based on how the work week is gone, I am revoking that guideline tonight. It's been a hard week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. And our storyteller, my brother from the exact same mother, Mr. TJ2, the deuce. Oh, uh, <sighs> okay. So it was a twist oh, off. Thankfully. Yeah. No, that was good. That was, that was nice solid. and crisp. Yeah. yeah. Everybody wins. That was really nice. So it's like it's just like the bottle sneezed. Okay. So uh two mm. things to address this week. Uh number one, I listened to the the last episode mm-hmm. holy crap how do you guys deal with me when i'm not feeling well that was that sounded terrible <laughs> what the episode me oh you yeah yeah oh and that's different from normal because well because i was drugged out of my mind the and that's the... different from normal because <laughs> i had drugs <laughs> drug me is different than normal me and that's well, different I... from normal because <laughs> okay moving on so sorry about that, guys. I was, it was a slog. Woof. It was hard. You're getting there, so. I'm getting there. I'm getting better. And luckily, we have a completely different series that we're dealing with between me and Graham Parsons. So I got time. But my brother will need to take over for this next part because, unfortunately, we do have sad news. Again, literally, like, right after we recorded we got this news. So I'm going to pass it over to my brother now. It does not stop. Yeah. Um, so on Sunday, did not hear of it until Monday, but the Texas singer-songwriter Charlie Robinson passed away. It's very interesting that we're doing a series on this take-no-prisoners, hard-charging, rebellious Texas singer-songwriter, and another hard-charging take-no-prisoners Texas singer-songwriter passes away, unfortunately. Charlie was one of my favorites. Very much in the, I would say, Steve Earle, Billy Joe Shaver, Robert Earl Keane kind of tradition. He he did a lot, like a lot of Texas singer-songwriter types. He had a lot of songs that have humor to him. We've actually played one fairly recently, the You're Not the Best, But You're the Best That I Can Do. We played in a recent Slap Notes episode. 
but he also did crime songs and murder ballads and you know tear in your beer kind of stuff and songs about drugs and getting drunk and all, all the other fun stuff that good country music tackles he was from bandera texas he i think his first album was independently produced and he put out a an album on a small label and the numbers it sold were astonishing for this tiny label it sold like two or three hundred thousand copies so the bigger Nashville label thought like a oh, god this guy's going to be a star so he he signed with a, a bigger label he didn't really like playing Nashville politics and there's a story it's too long for me to tell you now but it's I found a recounting of it and I will post that on our socials that it is the most epic if you scorched earth rant in the history of social media <laughs> it is so glorious and so wonderful and it was so well deserved too the person he aimed it at but just as an example, he was playing one of these showcases for a bunch of like radio programmers and stuff. And this is the kind of deal where the artist is supposed to get up and play some of their more radio friendly songs and then probably glad hand and, you know, kiss everybody's ass a little bit and ask them to play the record. And Charlie gets up on stage and some of them were talking during one of his songs. So he stopped and told them to shut up. <laughs> and then the end of that song, before he we went into a great one called John O'Reilly, he said, I play the greatest music in the world. But you guys will probably never play it on your stations because you're too effing stupid. <laughs> Did he not say effing? And get Dude, that gave zero, zero shits. His shit-filled life fallow. There was none growing anywhere, anywhere in that field. He was a favorite of mine. I have all of his albums. I saw him in concert probably a dozen times. Got to hang out on his tour bus, drank most of his beer with bass player and steel player and a random photographer. He was kind of attached to a lot of texas country music royalty his brother is a very revered songwriter bruce robison kelly willis who is very highly thought of singer songwriter is his former sister-in-law his sister is is a, a songwriter he was previously married to emily from the dixie chicks they actually have three children together i think they were married for nine years then he, he also had a stepson from his most recent marriage and then he lloyd mains who is natalie mains dad but who was I think a legendary figure in Texas music played on most of Charlie's records. He was an outlaw. He was a fantastic songwriter. I had one of his songs. The The last song played at my wedding reception was a Charlie Robinson song, actually, which is how, how much, how highly I thought of him. So in honor of Charlie and in honor of Old Hoss, who we're uh, wrap, wrapping up our series on today, I have some delicious Texas elixir called Shiner Blonde. And I am uh, pouring one out for Waylon and for Charlie tonight. R.I.P. Well said. All right. Well, if there's, I guess the other two pieces of news are my Etsy shop is opened. So I will put that link down there. So if you guys want some fun candles, they're movie themed. I want to do song themed candles at some point, like based on songs. So, but we'll get there. I got my movie themed candles in there ready for Halloween and ready for Christmas. So if you really want a unique Christmas gift idea, check out my Etsy shop. I'm awesome. Hey, um, if you're going to do them on like songs, don't do one on um, Bismarcky's duty route. I'm not gonna. Nope. Nope. And, um, yeah, Very not, few people not, will buy that not, candle. Not the Except bud. weirdos. There's probably, you know, there's probably a market for it. Actually, no, so baby, no it, baby so. got back. N none of that. N none of that. No, no. But yeah, my shop is open. I will drop the link in the show notes and I'll also share it. And I'm still in the Faces of Horror contest that I talked about last week. I think I'm going to survive the night. It's supposed to, the first round's supposed to end six hours. So I think I made it into the top 20 Pretty this time good, around. aren't you? I am. 
Nice. So let's just see what happens. But yeah, I think the next round starts tomorrow, but I'm not entirely certain. So let's find out. And I think at that point, this is the perfect time for us to take our first sponsor break. And we will be right back with the final episode of Waylon Jennings. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. And we're back. Okay. So, TJ, uh, what are we doing this week? We are wrapping up our 15-part epic on the late, great Waylon Jennings. And feel compelled to say, Will, Shiner Blonde is good. <laughs> and I concur. It is good. That's not what I'm yes. thinking at the moment. Every time I have a Shiner Blonde, I wonder why I don't have more Shiner Blonde. Does the job. Mm. Well, I know what I'm getting my brother for Christmas. <laughs> beer. Oh, beer. Hooray, beer. Yes. So... We are finally here, guys. We started this epic back in April, I think. And uh, here we are now in the middle of September. Yep. As we record this on Thursday, September the 14th, we sit at the two-year anniversary, the sad two-year anniversary of the passing of the great Norm MacDonald and the glorious 30-year anniversary of the release of Bad Out of Hell 2. Just oh, by the way. Oh, nice. Because Which we're old. We will be covering Meatloaf this season. I, I did Audible yep. Meatloaf, so we will be covering him. Yep. So I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to that one. But uh, right now, we're going to wrap things up on the great Waylon Jennings. Well, let's get the bus started. Vroom, let's vroom. do it. All right. But that's right, friends. We have finally reached the final episode of our 15-week epic journey on the great Waylon Jennings. We started back in a two-room shack in Littlefield, Texas, we went to the surf ballroom, Arizona to Tennessee, and back to Arizona again with stops in between in Austin, Texas, New Zealand, the British Isles, and all points in between. He literally burned down a dairy as a boy and figuratively burned down Nashville as a grown man. He was roommates with Johnny Cash, life mates with Jesse Coulter. He made records. He broke records. He made millions. He lost millions. He gained those millions back. He fought the law, and for once, the law did not win. He fought convention and the old guard and an antiquated way of doing things in the music business, and he became a legend in the process. But on February 13th, 2002, Old Hoss drew his last rebellious breath, dying in his sleep 
at his home in Arizona at the age of 64. His influence casts such a wide, a wide swath. His willingness to fight the system like a modern-day Robin Hood, as he sang about, opened so many doors for others. And he was so beloved as a person that there was understandably a huge outpouring when word of his death was announced. Quote, he was a dear friend, one of the best of 35 years. I will miss him immensely, said Johnny Cash. Unfortunately, as if you know Cash's timeline, he would lose his wife June 13 months later and Cash himself passed 19 months later. And the 20 year anniversary of that was this past Tuesday, as we said here recording, by the way. Oh, man. Yeah. I read in various places that losing Waylon was like losing a brother to Johnny Cash and that he never got over it. He was absolutely heartbroken. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, they, they lived together. Quote, my they, heart is broken. They a lot together. And Travis Tritt. Yes. Yeah. They ate, yes. From, from hiding their pills from one another to Johnny making him, you know, biscuits and gravy and then being bandmates and, and, and a million miles in between that. My heart is broken, said artist and friend Travis Tritt. I consider myself fortunate to have known the man and hope to carry on the legacy that he inspired. Martina McBride said that he, quote, knocked down doors for all artists who wanted to have their own sound. And Kix Brooks of Brooks and Dunn said Waylon was the main reason that he himself got into country music. Quote, Waylon Jennings was just the baddest there ever was, said Troy Gentry of Gummer Gentry. Amy Lou Harris said that Waylon had a voice and a way with a song like no one else and was, in a, and was a class act in every sense. And artist Chris Cagle said that he went out when he heard the news and got completely shit-faced wrong. <laughs> Quote, I just, I mean, I just toasted him all night long. Me, me too, Chris. We have You and I have something in common, apparently. Wayland's buddy, George Jones, said, quote, I'm just so sad personally, and it's a great loss for country music. And no less than Chuck Berry said that he enjoyed Wayland's music very much, thought his lyrics were poetic, and that he considered him, quote, a brother songwriter. Speaking more about the man than the music, his former bandmate and longtime friend Chris Christopherson said, quote, Waylon Jennings was an American archetype, the bad guy with a big heart. And Glenn Campbell said that Waylon was a man of his word. Quote, if he said a hog weighed five pounds, then you could wrap it up. In the country, we call that an honest person. So word reached people in different ways. This is 2002, so there's not really much in the way of social media at the time. Now, we told you many, many episodes back that Waylon's old friend, Billy Joe Shaver, at one point actually had a heart attack on stage while he was playing a show in Green Hall in Texas. He thanked God for, he thought, letting him die in the oldest honky-tonk in Texas. Very religious man. He just thought, okay, well, this is perfect. This is how my life is supposed to end. I'm, I'm going to die on stage at Green Hall. This is great. But he did not die there. He went on to play for three hours, and then he went to a doctor the day after the show, the day after he had a heart attack on stage. And the doctor told him, he had three blocked arteries and one 90% clogged. So y'all can do the math on that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm no doctor, he told that, him he, that needed, sounds like he, he needs an immediate right. attention. He told Billy Joe he needed immediately he needed immediate quadruple bypass surgery. He, however, had a month-long tour of Australia booked with Kinky Friedman, and he delayed his surgery to go to Australia and carry out that month-long tour. Just hoping that 10% left open would, would do the trick. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Three total blockages and one 90% blockage. That's where, where Billy Joe was at. So he went to Australia and went on this month-long tour. The two were driving in Australia on what Billy Joe just described as a long highway when they heard the news on the radio that Waylon had passed. Both obviously had been very close friends of Waylon's dating back to the old Hillbilly Central days. Waylon, in large part, I would say, was pretty much responsible for Billy Joe 
having the career that he did because he took this unknown songwriter and did an entire album, Honky Tonk Heroes, of just of his songs. So they pulled over, they popped the cork on a bottle. Billy Joe didn't say what it was. I'm going to guess whiskey. And they poured themselves a drink in honor and memory of their fallen friend. Just, oh, by the way, Billy Joe, not too long before this, had appeared in the Robert Duvall movie, The Apostle. Um, do y'all remember that one? I actually do, yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, Billy Joe had a small part in it. When he did, he got health insurance through the Screen Actors Guild. And had he not done that, he would likely not have been able to have afforded the surgery that saved his life. Now, he had lots of friends who I'm sure would have stepped up and helped if he had needed it. But it, it certainly made things a lot easier that he had that insurance through the Screen Actors Guild. So that's pretty much what paid for his heart surgery. Waylon was buried in Arizona, but a public memorial service was held in Nashville at the famous Ryman Auditorium. Friends and artists sat down front, but the balcony was open to the public on a first-come, first-served basis. A line began to form hours before the service began, and by the time the doors opened, there was a double line that stretched from the Ryman doors all the way down 4th Avenue to Broadway. The service was called I've Always Been Crazy, a celebration of the life and legacy of Waylon Jennings. Many of the fans who entered, by the way, were attired in leather, and some wore shirts bearing the saying, Waylon fucking Jennings, <laughs> because That's it's Waylon, and why wouldn't you? Nashville disc jockey Carl Mayfield served as the MC. He had become a friend of Waylon's, and he had actually begun to bring Waylon on his show once a week for a segment called Waylon Wednesdays, which apparently got very, very popular. Um, it was just unvarnished Waylon and saying whatever Waylon wanted to say, I think. The stage was adorned with a large backdrop of Waylon's signature Flying W logo, a picture of Old Hoss, and two tall vases of red roses flanking his famous leather-tooled Telecaster with a black cowboy hat perched atop the neck. Shooter Jennings came on stage and said that though Johnny Cash had been scheduled to appear and perform, his doctors had advised against him leaving his winter home in Jamaica. Of course, Johnny was in very poor health himself and was, you know, about a year and a half away from, from his own death. Quote, I talked to him and Johnny said to enjoy yourselves and honor Waylon, Shooter said. Travis Tritt opened up with a cover of Lonesome, Ornery, and Mean, backed by Waymore's blues band, which included sax player Jim Horn and guitarist Reggie Young. Charlie Pride, a longtime friend of Waylon's, performed Good Hearted Woman. And Pride told the crowd that Waylon had actually offered him that song to sing once he had written it. So he actually offered it to Charlie to record first, apparently. He also wore a ring that Waylon had given him. And I'd also like to note that I read at one point that Waylon supposedly babysat Charlie Pride's children. Because <laughs> if you think about everything we've touched on in this series, why not? That's like the most tame of all the things we've heard. That would be like the first time I'd be like, do you have to have babysitter's insurance? Yes, that's a thing I would definitely check on. I need I need to look into this. You know, do I need to expand my... Uh, no, no my just leave them with me. They'll be good, Hoss. Oh, God. So Chris Christopherson played Waylon's song, I Do Believe, and he introed it thusly. Quote, if I ever thought I would be singing to honor Waylon Jennings in the Ryman Auditorium, it might have helped me through some hard spots. Kid Rock, Hank Jr., Cross Canadian Ragweed, David Lee Murphy, Pat Green, and Corey Barrow all performed as well. Video clips, including one in which Robert Duvall portrays a shrink interviewing Waylon, were shown. And if you've never seen that, you can look it up, and it's really funny. It's on YouTube. A number of artists were not able to make it to the show, but they sent letters or emails that were read to the crowd. And this demonstrates how broad Waylon's appeal was and how beloved he was. 
Among those sending letters were Graham Nash, Kenny Rogers, Paul Simon, Billy Bob Thornton, Neil Diamond, James Garner, and James Hetfield. And the latter of those, what that being Hetfield's, was the longest and apparently could not find a copy of it. It was said to be extremely heartfelt and, and a couple of pages long, I think. And we'll talk more about why in just a little bit. Shooter and his then band Stargun came out and performed a heavy metal version of I've Always Been Crazy, as Waylon had requested they do, by the way. The live music concluded with Billy Ray Cyrus, Travis Tritt, and Chris Christopherson singing Amazing Grace and encouraging the crowd to sing along. Quote, thank you for coming. We hope you enjoyed yourselves. We sure as hell did, Shooter said. The show closed with the first public playing of one of the final songs that Waylon ever recorded in his lifetime. It was called The Dream. It played as the lights went out and the stage fell dark. So we're going to hear that one right now. Here's old Hoss Waylon with The Dream. I've been a dreamer all of my life. Leaving dreams can come true I've lived with the feeling Not satisfied With only the image of A place in the sun Can never be all it may seem For I've come to know When it's all said and done A dream is only Somewhere, somehow, I found something more Than only a sweet state of mind Fulfilling a need and no longer leave My heart suspended I know what is real I know because I was there All I can say I've had it both ways And the dream could never I've had it both ways 
And the dream could never And we're back. Oh my God, that was so sad. It was. Yeah. Yeah. Very pretty song, but yeah, it's very sad. Very pretty, but yeah, very, very sad. Yes. But that's also the last song that they played at his memorial service. So, I mean, fitting. Yeah. Oh, geez. Yeah. What would you have them play? The funky wah wah? Mm. I mean, cha cha slide. Do the funky wah wah. The cha cha slide. The cha cha slide. Yep. Everybody mm-hmm. clap your hands. No, he's gone. There he is. Okay. Um, yeah, a very pretty song, but yeah, it's, it's an extremely sad song. And that's yeah. one that Wayland recorded very late, knowing that his health was bad and that he probably didn't have very long. So, and, and there are a few more of those coming too. But anyway, obviously, once an artist of Wayland's magnitude passes, there are tributes and multiple tribute albums. And a couple of those came out in 2003, including I've Always Been Crazy, a tribute to Wayland Jennings. That one featured, amongst others, John Mellencamp, Travis Tritt, Dwight Yoakam, Hank Jr., Dina Carter, and Sarah Evans, Ben Harper, and Brooks and Dunn, and also Allison Krause. And one other person, that being James Hetfield. Now, having mentioned him twice, you're probably wondering what in the world he had to do with or in common with Waylon. Well, the two actually met at a college radio station. Hetfield brought a stack of Waylon Jennings albums for Old Hoss to sign for his dad. And Waylon brought his son Shooter's Metallica CDs for James to sign. They immediately hit it off and found the humor in both of them being hyped for their, you know, quote, outlaw image. Hetfield, believe it or not, was actually a fan of Waylon and had been from a young age saying that he liked his long hair, he liked his guitar playing, and the fact that his dad loved Waylon. Shooter had actually exposed his dad to a lot of his music. Now, he was a fan of people like Metallica, Nine Inch Nails, and White Zombie. And Waylon actually liked some of what Shooter played him, including some of the Metallica stuff he heard. At this point, James's dad was having severe health problems, and Waylon made it a point to call his dad and chat with him on several occasions. Quote, that opened my eyes to a whole other side of the influence of your inspiration, Hetfield said. It's beyond the music. You're touching souls. That phone call meant so much to me and my dad. Waylon and Hetfield stayed in touch for years, right up until Waylon's passing. That friendship meant so much to Waylon that his widow, Jesse Coulter, asked James to be a part of that tribute album. She said in the same way that Waylon broke the mold, Hetfield did too, in that he showed, quote, you don't have to be out of your mind to do heavy metal. So even though we just played a song, we're going to go ahead and play another one now. This is a very different take, but uh, I'm interested to see what you guys think about it. This is Metallica's James Hetfield with his very unique version of Don't Y'all Think This Outlaw Bits Done Got Out of Hand. Down like I 
So I really uh, enjoyed how that looped back to the Dukes of Hazard at the end. Yeah. I liked it. It was good. Yeah, that's good. It's very different. And it's, but see, that's, it's so funny that would not be a connection you would automatically make. But, you know, hey, I bet the guy from uh, Metallica really digs Waylon Jennings, but he did. Um, and, but partly because his dad did, because partly just growing up, he thought Waylon was cool. He, he just thought he was cool. Long hair, like, like his guitar. I think that you're shortchanging folks because I love people that you would never think I would love. Because, like, yeah, I listen to podcasts and musicals, but, man, I love Mob Deep. <laughs> Quiet Storm is an amazing song. Like, you never know what people's tastes lean to, like, what they're creating, because they draw from so many different other wells. Mm -hmm. So, for some reason, it kind of makes sense for Metallica to like Waylon. I don't know. It seems seems fitting to me. The the, the kind of rebellious aspect, for sure. But he really liked Waylon's guitar playing, actually. Um, and, again, part of it was... That's what he heard growing up. His dad loved Waylon Jennings, and but he thought Waylon was cool because he had long hair, and I think he thought he had a cool guitar, which he did. It's a badass. It's, one, it's an incredibly badass guitar if you if you remember what it looks like. Hey guys, I hate to interrupt, but we do need to take a short sponsor break. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon Podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, Rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. And we're back. That's right. We're back to talk about the late, great Waylon Jennings. So Waylon's popularity is so enduring that a tribute album actually came out as recently as 2015 that featured a mix of some older and some newer artists. Chris Stapleton was on that one doing Ain't Living Long Like This. There were contributions by Robert Earl Keane, Leanne Womack, Ryan Bingham, who I believe is a new favorite of Adminthea's, correct? Which one, sorry? Didn't she big on Ryan Bingham? I thought it was recommended by one of our listeners when they joined our show. Yeah, I think she's, I think she's, she's a big fan of his. Toby Keith was on that one, Eric Church, but along with people like Bobby Bear and Willie Nelson. But the other earlier effort referenced also featured an eclectic mix of artists with names like, believe it or not, Henry Rollins covering one Waylon song, Dave Alvin and Guy Clark. That project was called Lonesome, Henry and Mean. Whereas I've Always Been Crazy was done more in, I think, cooperation with the Jennings family. This one was spearheaded by Chuck Mead of BR549 and engineer Dave Rowe. Now, I know that we just paused to hear two Waylon songs, but we're going to do another one here. Because it's our last episode, let's let's listen to some 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 good music. I actually left this one up to my brethren on the other end of the Zoom call for them to choose. This album has two offerings by artists whose voices are guaranteed to melt me like a stick of butter in a hot cast iron skillet. Those being Allison Moore and Nora Jones. Allison does Storms Never Last, and Nora covers The World at Surprise. I left it up to Lindley and Will, and I think that you two picked Allison. Oh, Epic Storms Never Last, yes. Yes, we did. Yep, yep. So that's that's the one we're going to listen to. So this is somebody who's an absolute favorite of mine, the great Allison Moore, covering what was actually, I think, originally done as a duet with Waylon and Jesse. 
This is her version of Storms Never Last. Sun 
All right. And we are back. Um, hey, TJ, are you actually going to pick out a song that isn't a complete bummer for like any of this? Not planning on it, no. Okay, great. Thank you. That's all. So That's you, that bummed you? Yes. It reminded me of Songbird, Ava Cassidy. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, but it's just a bummer. Like, I pretty. It's a pretty bummer, but it's a bummer. Come on, man. I've been on antibiotics for like 15 days. Give me yeah, something. Um, but I have to tell you, uh, to quote Mike Myers portraying Linda Richmond on Saturday Night Live, she's like two sticks of butter, whipped and unsalted. <laughs> yeah. I love her boy. Yeah. I, I, Alice Moore is one of my absolute favorites. Love, love, yeah, love great. her voice. So. She's great. She's great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this also covered by Miranda Lambert, I think. It may have been. Okay. I remember. It it, been. I I, I've never versions. heard her version. Yeah. That would make sense for her to do it, though, for sure. Um, now, as far as posthumous releases go of his own material, there were a couple. Now, we've mentioned Wayland's son Shooter a number of times. Obviously, he is an artist in his own right. And a lot like his dad, he's not one to really follow formulas and do things anyone's way but his own way. And that has showed itself over the years in some of his offerings. He actually fronted a heavy metal band. We mentioned already Stargun uh, for a while, and they did release one record. But he started his solo career in 2005 with the hilariously titled, Let's Put the O Back in Country. Well done. Well done. Okay. <laughs> I see. By picking up what they're putting down. Uh-huh. Uh, that was actually a very country forward record, but there were a couple of exceptions. The title track is actually adapted from Neil Young's Are You Ready for the Country, which, of course, his father once covered. And Busted in Baylor County gives co-writing credit to all the original members of Black sabbath by the way huh. um and if you go listen to it you'll 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 pick up why and then there's a song on that first album a terrific one that i love called southern comfort which features background vocals by his mother jesse coulter but also by faith evans really yeah and it's huh. it's terrific if you go listen to it if you never if you never heard it as um, in like later, the faith evans yes that one oh. mm-hmm. like i'm i'll be missing you faith evans yeah like that's something married to puffy yep Okay. Yep, that one. Not, were they married? I, I think they I were. Don't, I, don't they? Keep up with, I don't keep up with that kind of stuff. But yes, she had some affiliation yeah. with Puffy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she. Yeah, she and she and P Diddy collaborated on that song, and like she's right. got a beautiful voice. She is, and she sings on Southern Comfort. I don't know how how Shooter swung that, but but there she was singing on it. Later releases like Electric Rodeo and The Wolf leaned more into rock, and then he came way outside of left field with this album called black ribbons have y'all ever heard black ribbons nope can't say i have okay. not okay that one was this sort of dystopian rock opera concept album centered on the last free speech radio broadcast on planet earth maybe not on planet earth but in the united states and here is a fun fact fun fact fun fact voicing the disc jockey of doing that last broadcast on this album is stephen king and he has a distinct voice. That I'm sorry. Sure. I'm sorry, what? Uh-huh. Stephen King okay. plays the disc jockey in this sort of theme concept rock opera album that Shooter okay. did. Okay. That's hilarious. I'm, I'm um, here for it. King said that Shooter sent him a script, and he thought it was, quote, a tremendously spooky idea. It was just about perfect. King did make a few edits and, and expanded a few of his characters' rants against coming government censorship, which is largely what the album centers on. Shooter's done other work, including a great deal of producing, which included three Grammy winners. If you remember a few years ago, Tanya Tucker had a big comeback album called While I'm Living. It was up for Best Album, period, and it won Best Americana Album in 2020. 
Shooter co-produced that. He also co-produced Brandy Carlisle's These Silent Days, which also won Best Americana Grammy. And Carlisle's, by the way, I forgive you, which won Album of the Year in 2018. So Oof. he's had his fingerprints on some some uh, some very highly lauded works as a producer. But back in 2007, Shooter worked on a different project. When he was just in his mid-teens, he really got interested in playing music. He had primarily been into computers and technology, and he still is, if you know much about Shooter. And I think more of listening to music before. He and Waylon talked it over, and his dad agreed to work with him. Waylon provided the vocals, and Shooter worked to fit them into the electronic-slash-industrial metal music that he was really into at the time. He sort of set that aside for a while, and then he rediscovered it much later. Now, he said some of it was laughably bad (laughs) from the, the standpoint of his being a producer 16 years old and trying to fit Waylon into, you know, industrial metal music but he also realized that there was something there that was worth trying to mine so he and his band the 357s worked to build a new musical framework around those vocals that his dad had laid down more than a decade prior and the end result was a great album that i love called Wayland forever now you were supposed to hear a song from that several episodes back but ld played some rap song instead okay uh to be fair you sent me that rap song I so, did not. I went back and checked. You you just totally played something I didn't send you. You're you're drunk. <laughs> I've had one beer, um, but I think I think in your defense, it had the same title as the one I sent you, and it sampled Waylon's song, but it was some dude rapping. There um, is one notable cover on this album, that being Waylon doing a version of Cream's White Room, and the rest are totally reimagined Waylon classics. So this is, again, LD and Will have sat through 15 weeks of my nonsense. So I I thought I'd let them pick a couple of songs in this one. And I put it up to them whether they wanted to hear a new version of a song we had already played or one we had not played. They said, let's let's hear one we haven't heard at all. So that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to hear a song from the album Well and Forever, which, again, if you've not heard it, Look it up. It's really, really good. I really like that one. Still listen to it a lot. So we're going to hear Waylon with Shooter and the 357s playing a song called Jack of Diamonds. Jack of Diamonds, Jack of Diamonds, take my money. You can take my life of luxury. You can take my precious silver studded saddle, oh Lord, but you cannot take my soul, cannot take my soul today. Sweet mama, oh sweet mama, say you love me. Keep me tender, mama, tender now. Keep me 
Okay, and we are back. All right. So probably y'all's first time hearing that one. Yes. That was not as sad. I liked it. Not as sad. Yeah, it was still melancholy. <laughs> yeah, but not, uh, it, I don't think it had her, you know, running for sharp instruments in the, you know, straight nine or anything. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. That. A little, little more upbeat. I really like that whole album. I like the way it came out. Um, there's, uh, there's one or two of the reimagined versions of, of old Whalen songs I actually like better than the original. The version of Waymore's Blues on there, I think I like more than I like the original, actually. Really? Believe mm. it or not. Yeah, it's one of my, it's one of my favorites, for sure. Now, Waylon had some other unheard music, courtesy of a collaboration with the band Old 97s. I don't know if y'all are familiar with them at all. I don't know why you ask me questions like this. Why Why do you even ask? You know the answer. Well, they're, they're sort of, a, I don't, I'm not sure what you would call them. Sort of in that Americana alt country vibe, kind of rock, kind of country, somewhere somewhere in between there. One of your favorite words, LD. Do what? I was gonna say LD is one of her least favorite words is Americana. Ah, yes, I I I always always remember that right after I say it. Sorry. Yeah, Um, yeah. It's like it's like conversation piece. Like if you need to buy something, so you seem interesting, you need to reevaluate yourself. I would agree with that. Um, but somehow or another, Waylon ended up at one of the band's shows in Atlanta, and he enthused about them in an article in the Austin Chronicle. After some prompting from their label, the band's lead singer, Rhett Miller, reached out to Waylon and asked about having them get together to record some songs. They actually did cut a couple of tracks together in Nashville, including one called Iron Road and another one called The Other Shoe. In the latter, Waylon had some trouble enunciating one line for some reason that featured the line, you'll try to find a doctor that will prescribe an elixir. And this happens to everybody where for some reason you just can't spit those words out. For some reason, his mouth could not form an elixir. I had a terrible time saying DEA agent several episodes back. Like I couldn't say it for some reason. I and mean, don't just, don't feel don't feel bad because you guys know that anytime I have to say an acronym or, you know, like AARP, I will fail every time. It'll just be a jumble of noises. It's OK. You're good. I would, I would say in your case, a lot of times it's, if you have to read numbers, sometimes it's problematic. 
because I'm dyslexic. And so right. it just it's frustrating. They dance yeah. around a little on you for sure. They do. But his mouth could just not spit out an elixir. So Miller finally came up with an idea. He told Waylon to sing, Annie licks her. Like he wrote out the name, like girl's name, Annie. Annie <laughs> licks her. That's funny. Quote, nice. I like you, Waylon said. You're sick. <laughs> uh, so, but with that, it worked. They nailed it on the next take. By the time the recordings were going to come out, though, Waylon was in extremely poor health. And he reportedly objected to the proposed cover art which was a painting of Waylon surrounded by the angel-winged heads of the old 97s. So Waylon passed away. Those recordings sat there for a very long time, more than a decade, actually. But in 2013, Shooter Jennings approved the release of the songs, which included the original artwork. It was part of a six-song EP by the old 97s, and we're going to hear one of those songs right now. This was my favorite of the two. Did go and listen to both of these. I'd not heard them before. They're both really good. I think this was my favorite of the two. So this is Waylon Jennings and the old 97s with a song called Iron Road. A hundred list of reasons I keep round
And we are back. Okay. That one wasn't depressing. It was not. No. That was I a liked co-tapper. it. Yes, it was. Yeah. Fan- fantabulous. I enjoyed it. I was not terribly familiar with the old 97s. I'd heard of them, but I've listened to a few of their songs now. I, I really like a lot of the stuff I've heard from them. And I like the both of them they did with Waylon for sure. Um, as far as posthumous releases go, we have one last one, and that was Going Down Rockin', the final recordings. In his final years, Waylon became a much more prolific songwriter. Now, I've told y'all before, all through this series, I think Waylon is very underrated as a songwriter. When he wrote them, they were always good. He just didn't write. He was just not especially prolific. But later in life, he got where he was writing a lot more songs, wanting to express his views and reflections on music, his life, and just sort of the world at large. He secretly went to the home of his friend, Robbie Turner, who had a small home studio and began laying down some basic tracks. Waylon played guitar and sang, and Turner played bass. They ended up cutting 12 songs, eight of which were new and had never been heard before. The only two people who knew that these recordings existed were Waylon and Robbie, and their plan was to flesh them out more and add additional instrumentation later. But unfortunately, that never happened because of Waylon's 2002 death. Ten years passed, and the recordings basically just sat there in this guy's house. In 2012, he decided he was going to finish them himself. And he brought in a number of people who had played with Waylon from over the year, folks over the years, people who had been in his road band and played with him in the studio, including his former drummer, right-hand man and MVP, Richie Albright, Reggie Young, Tony Joe White, and many others. Now, when Robbie presented the project to the Jennings family, they were apparently, from what I read, initially uh, initially not totally totally comfortable with, quote, capitalizing on Waylon's image after his death. Still, it was released in late 2012, and it stood as the final work of the outlaw legend. The family did end up participating on some level, asking friend Chris Christopherson to write something for the album cover, which he did do. We're going to hear one song from that record now. Here is Waylon and a lot of the folks he made music with during the course of a long, raucous, rambling career. This is Wrong Road to Nashville. One, two, three, one, two. I must have failed to find a trail outside DX again. I didn't see a number most to me. I overshot Louisiana. I was backtracking, looking back in Somewhere around the old muddy Mississippi I gotta do another two Cause Memphis ain't where I wanna be Here 
wasn't a sad one either but that no meant- no we we did we finished on a on a little bit more of an up note there that was a, a fiddle <laughs> i love the fiddle love me some and, good that, and that was that was not like mournful fiddle that was like happy upbeat fiddle exactly yes it was happy fiddle yeah okay so guys we have finally gotten to something the two of you have been waiting for literally since april waylon's name got a lot of publicity recently because of the movie and the phenomenon Cocaine, Cocaine bear. bear. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, first of all, I have to ask, did y'all see Cocaine Bear? No. We haven't. No. I bought the Funko Pops, though. <laughs> Don't, didn't you say you have two of them? Yes, I do. I have one that has the bear eating the cocaine, and then the other one is the bear eating a human leg. Okay. <laughs> so the the thought that I got, I didn't see it either, but this is kind of like, it was like a crazy, fanciful play up of it right it's not a literal retelling of the whole story right no it's it, i think it mainly focuses on the humans they take liberties from what i understand the whole bear thing lasted like 20 minutes like he just okay. found the cocaine ate it went nuts and then died of a heart attack like that's not great hollywood film right well i will tell you i will tell you not to get too far off topic but uh we saw barbie and the song I'm Just Ken now lives in my head rent-free to the point where it came out on streaming. We bought it. And Will, what was the first thing that you said to me? I believe I said, is that Slash? No, 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 oh, no, no. When, when, when I started to play Barbie. Oh, I said, do we just spend whatever it cost for this song or something to that extent? No, you, 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 looked, you looked at me and I just want to watch one thing and you're like, is it I'm Just Ken? Is it I'm Just Ken, yep. I just paid $30 so you could watch the music video for I'm Just Ken. And yes, you did. You did. I did. You did. <clears throat> anyway, so it was a choice between Cocaine Bear, because Cocaine Bear came out when we were in Florida with our friend Eddie. So we didn't get a chance to see it while it was in theaters. Okay. Um, but, All right. but we probably will stream it soon, and I will well, give you 
a full breakdown of it. Please do. Now, I thought that this was going to be a fun little subchapter, and it turns out that it's really not. It's actually contentious and controversial, which I was not expecting, but it was. It is. Okay, I'm not going to tell the whole story, but basically there was a famed drug smuggler named Andrew Thornton, and on one of his final runs, he dropped or dumped or inadvertently dropped, I'm not exactly sure which, a giant 40-pound bag of cocaine out of an airplane into the Chattahoochee National Forest. It either... Like one does. Do what? Like one does. Like as one does when they're flying over the Chattahoochee National Forest. It either missed its target or its intended recipient, and it was found by a 175-pound black bear, which tore open the package and ate almost the entire 40-pound stash. Of course, he was found dead near the packages, and a medical examiner found a gigantic amount of blow in the poor animal's stomach. His death was attributed to cerebral hemorrhaging, respiratory failure, renal failure, heart failure, and a stroke caused by a massive intake of cocaine. And thus, the legend of Cocaine Bear, or Pablo Escobar, as some people refer to him, was born. Now, amazing. Right. Normally, an animal in that circumstance would have its remains destroyed, but The medical examiner gave it to a hunting buddy of his who happened to be a taxidermist, so he stuffed it. It supposedly ended up at the visitor center at a national recreation area. Supposedly in the early 90s, ahead of some coming and very damaging forest fires, a lot of items from that recreation area were put in storage in Dalton, Georgia. So we're talking about some Native American blankets and arrowheads and cocaine bear. They all ended up in storage in Dalton, Georgia. Presumably, when the people from this national wreck area go to retrieve the items, a few months later, they were gone. All of them had been stolen. The Native American artifacts were found in a pawn shop in Tennessee, and Cocaine Bear supposedly ended up in the possession of Waylon Jennings. Now, there is a great story done on this by Saving Country Music, who I think also did a podcast on it. Please go check out the story and the podcast if you would like to know all the details um per that story that saving country music did and they did some deep research and i think talked to the current owners of of cocaine bear but so um old Hoss did collect a lot of things many of which were sold at, at a large auction many years after his death her stories the bear was in the same pawn shop as those Native American artifacts. But the owner reached out to Waylon directly, told him the backstory. Now, how the pawn shop owner would have known the backstory is not totally clear to me and does cast a little doubt on things. And supposedly, again, not knowing that the item was stolen, Waylon allegedly came and bought it. Legend has it that Waylon and Thornton, the drug dealer, had a mutual friend who provided, quote, services in las vegas ah that's when i think you can read that to mean giant amounts of booger sugar but whatever well said mutual friend was supposedly gifted the bear by Wayland. he kept it until his 2009 death at which point it was sold to a chinese immigrant living in reno Nevada for 200 dollars, and was placed in that man's traditional chinese medicine shop Now, that gentleman died in 2012, so Pablo Escobar was put into storage. The store owner's widow 
pulled the bear out eventually and put it in her living room, though she said she actually hated it. She didn't even like the thing. Eventually, an enterprise group called Kentucky for Kentucky, which promotes the bluegrass state, its goods, its services, its culture, and its history, tracked down cocaine bear and brought it to the bluegrass state, which they were given free of charge, by the way. The, the lady disliked it so much, she just let, said, if you'll come get it, you can have it. And she let wow. them have cocaine bear. Wow. So it is now on display, the Kentucky for Kentucky Fun Mall in Lexington, Kentucky. Waylon never that the writer for Southern Country Music could find or that I could find actually spoke about owning the bear. And there are theories that maybe he did know that it was hot merchandise and kept quiet as a result. Now, I'm going to have to t tell you, both Shooter Jennings and Jesse Coulter say the reason Waylon never mentioned it publicly is because he never owned Cocaine Bear. They said that Waylon never owned it. Kentucky for Kentucky claims that they meticulously chased, traced the chain of custody of Cocaine Bear. But the Jennings family said that it's all complete BS. They said that they're playing on Waylon's name and his reputation because obviously Waylon is reputed as one of the most voracious consumers of cocaine that there's probably ever been in the history of the planet, aside from perhaps Pablo Escobar himself. And they just said that, you know, they're, they're playing on Waylon's name and reputation for publicity. And they don't even know that whether or not bear that's on display is even the real cocaine bear. I think Shooter Jennings has said, doesn't even know that that's legitimate. Whether he did or not, what other country singer would even have his name attached to <laughs> cocaine bear ownership? You know, but who else would have tied George Jones to an oak tree? Who else would have blown up a venue that stiffed him on pay? Who else would have threatened to whip his principal's ass in high school with his own paddle? Who else evaded death on the day the music died? Who else performed on a movie theater concession stand roof with a titty bar drummer accompanying him? Who else threatened to whip an entire audience's ass at Max's Kansas City? Who else would have babysat Charlie Pride's kids and had Hell's Angels babysit his own kids? Who else piled around with Robert Duvall and Muhammad Ali and Billy Joe Shaver and the Grateful Dead, Pamela DeBars and Rosalind Carter, Chuck Berry and Miles Davis? Who else would have done more than $1,500 a day worth of cocaine and stayed up for 11 straight days, likely playing pinball for much of that time, by the way? while recording country classics and making his genres first platinum, first double platinum, first triple platinum, and first quadruple platinum albums. Who else fought the law and won, fought record companies and won, fundamentally changed the business and creative end of the music business for artists forever by themselves? Is it? Waylon goddamn Jennings. That's a, is it. Is it? Is it me? Is that me? Nope. It's Waylon. Huh. And we're done. Oh. Boom. So we're done with episode part and we'll have some kind of closing thoughts we'll do at the very end. But finally, it's been like pulling teeth and pulling horrendous infections out of LD's body, <laughs> which which is part of the reason that we've we this got delayed, LD's illness a few weeks ago. Um, we have our set list exercise. Now we were gonna do this when we did our highwaymen episode, but it's just We'd all had a bunch of horrendous weeks, and then we were going to do it the next week, and LD got sick and was in the hospital, and I had some you know, family issues going on. So we're going to do it now. Our friends at the Yeah Uh Huh podcast have already 
tackle this exercise themselves. So that's kind of a companion episode with yeah, us. We, you can we we apologize for not having them come out at the same time, guys. But again, uh, I tried to die, I guess, <laughs> and and well, you failed. <laughs> well, the infection tried to kill me, and uh, it failed. I I I prevail. Whoa! Yeah, up up yours. Yeah, up up yours, E. Coli. Eat yeah, it. yeah. Suck it. Suck it, kidney failure. I've got this. So, but they put out an episode. An episode. Please go check those out. Just Google "Yeah, Uh Huh" podcast, and you'll be able to find them pretty easily. But Admin Thea joined them, and they did a really good job. They tackled this exercise. So here are the parameters that we must follow. Again, this is just like when we did the Wilburys. I want you to go with me to the land of musical make-believe. All of the highwaymen are not only still with us, they're together and they're touring. And you get to craft the set list. But here is how you must go about it. You are to pick four songs by Chris, Willie, Waylon, and Johnny. So four of, from their solo catalog. You're then to pick four duets involving any of the highwaymen. And it doesn't have, they did a lot with each other, obviously, you know, Waylon and Willie did a bunch and Waylon and Johnny did some and uh, Willie and Cash did some, they all played, you know, on each other's records and they did a lot of duets. So you can do those, or you can do ones that they did with anybody else. And Willie has done duets with almost literally every musician who's ever lived. It's so so there's a bunch oh to choose from. So you got to pick four duets. You then pick four highway men songs and then kind of a, anything goes, four song encore so those are the parameters who would like to go first um i'm gonna say i didn't i didn't do the assignment but uh but i cheated off of someone else's test that's that's <laughs> perfectly fine part, i mean like well part of it part of it so you guys know we have this wonderful human that um keeps up all our social media and is just killing it over there and she's going to guess i can say this now is that we're going to be adding an extra feature to our Patreon, which I'll give out at the end of the show. But we'll also be having an extra episode every month. And it's going to be our admin Thea doing an episode of her Thea's Not Yet Dead Yet. Not Dead Yet series. So uh, if you uh, subscribe to the Patreon, you'll be getting an extra episode. Now, she was gracious enough to basically just give me a list and mm. i went over it and i agreed fully with like 90 percent. the only place we differed was on our willy songs and i don't think that we had a single one that overlapped so okay. apologize thea if you want to post your willy songs on facebook so people could see what you posted and you know compare that with mine totally cool with that <laughs> but i'm gonna start with willy and i actually picked five songs i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> um, I chose Always on My Mind. Okay. Rainbow Rainbow Connection. Blue Eyes Crying in the Rain. Right. The Harder They Come, which a lot of people apparently don't like, but I like it. Okay. And then I Am My Own Grandpa. <laughs> I knew you were going to throw that one in there. I knew it. <laughs> that was why I had five. I was like, I'll pick four really actually good songs of his. And then I got to put my favorite Willie song. I'm my own grandpa. I'm my own grandpa. So that's my Willie. The Waylon is number one, Dukes of Hazard. You can't, okay. you can't beat that. Mamas don't let your babies grow up to be cowboys or chipmunks. Okay. Chipmunks. Chipmunks work as well. And then good hearted woman. Okay. Johnny Cash. That that was easy. Uh, I completely agree with Thea on this one. Was hurt. Big river. Big river. 
Ring of Fire. And then we did switch out one, which I think she had Cocaine Blues. I chose I Walk the Line. Okay. So we just switched out one there. Chris, we fully agree across the board. Me and Bobby McGee. Help me make it through the night, which I'm pretty sure you knew was going to end up on my list, but not for the reasons <laughs> why it should have ended up on my list, but why it did end up on my list. Which, if anybody knows me, you know I'm a huge Ray Stevens fan, and Ray Stevens did a comedic cover of it, and it's one of the funniest things I've ever heard. So help me make it through the night. Sunday morning coming down, and for the good times. And by the way, if you go listen to, there is a version of Chris Christopherson doing Me and Bobby McGee, and he's almost—he's got like almost like a bowl cut. It's very weird okay. hair. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Stop. Hang on. I know nobody's going to hear this for a while, but I have legitimate bizarre musical breaking news that was just sent to me. What was it? Oh, Terrence Trent Darby apparently stole an ambulance in Spartanburg County, South Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wishing well, I'll steal the ambulance. I'm sorry. If I told you that I just put a live turkey, it would not be weirder than what I actually just said that happened. Was that a Mad Lib? What? What in the actual hell? That's a thing? Uh, apparently, yes. Huh. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> Getting back to this. If you go onto YouTube, there is a uh. version of Chris Christopherson singing Me and Bobby McGee. Okay, I'm but, now told not it's not that Terrence Trent Darby. <laughs> How many Terrence Trent Darbys oh, are nuts. there? Well, oh, there's God. one in Spartanburg, apparently. Oh. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Um, all right. Well, uh, like I was saying for the third time, if you go on YouTube and you look up Chris Christopherson doing a version of Me and Bobby McGee, there is a video of him doing a live performance you know, in front of an audience. It looks like he's almost got like a bowl cut, but it's not his Whistler hair. But uh, people in that video are losing their friggin' minds. Like, you can barely hear his vocals because the, the audience is screaming so much. I didn't know Chris had that kind of pull. Get it, Chris? Yeah. He was quite... Chris Chris was a big deal as a songwriter, for sure. Yeah, really? I mean, I, this is I almost think ladies like, like... I think ladies especially like Chris. Well, they, they did everything short of throwing their underwear at him. All right. My duets. Johnny Cash, June Carter Cash. Mm. Jackson, I that's, got that's I, I knew you were that's one I knew you were gonna pick, dude. The what a saucy little song that is. Go listen to those lyrics. We Go got married in a fever, fever. hotter than a pepper sprout. We've been, We've been talking about Jackson. Jackson. Yeah, I'm going to Jackson's turn a loose of my coat. Wow. What a great song. You know what? You guys are never going to be on American Idol. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, know, well, I know somebody on it. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know. We've got an in. <laughs> I would never. <laughs> you guys are a little bit over the age cap. My second one is Beer for My Horses, Willie Nelson and Toby Keith. Choice. That's one. Yes. one. Willie has duetted with almost literally everybody. I think I've duetted with Willie at some point. Probably. Yeah. Girl from North Country, Johnny Cash okay. and Bob Dylan. Yep. Ain't No Road Too Long, Waylon Jennings, and the Big Bird Encore. <laughs> and and The Count, and Olivia, and there's a bunch of people. There's a there's lots of contributors to that one. So yes. are they all making an appearance in your concert? Because that'd be awesome. Yes, they are. The whole... Yeah, that, yes, all, all of them, them should. All yes. of them. Yes. Is the stage reinforced? I need to know, because Big Bird is... Big Bird's big. 
He's a big, like yep. Yeah, it, it, it's not just a clever name. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And then what was the other one I was supposed to do? Because she did uh, it. But I don't know. Oh, okay. Waylon, Suspicious Minds. Wait, wait, hold on. They're like four highwaymen songs. Yeah. Suspicious Minds. That's what okay. she's that's what she's got. She's got big bridge over troubled water. Okay. Highwaymen, highwaymen, Jennings and Jesse. Here's how this is how it's written. It says Waylon one, Suspicious Minds, Jennings and Jesse Coulter. Two, Bridge Over Troubled Water, Willie Nelson. Three, Whiskey River, Willie Nelson. Four, Highwaymen, The Highwaymen. That's all it's written down. What was I supposed to do? It was four songs specifically by the group The Highwaymen, which I don't think oh. they did those. There's I mean they did hot they did Highwayman. They did they definitely did that one. But yes, that's what she's got written down. So I guess I bow out of the, this round. But uh, well, you get it, your four song on and you get your four song encore. Uh, I didn't do that. Maybe that's her four song encore. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. Well, on it's the podcast, gonna, she, did, gonna, she did do four Highwaymen songs. I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and say it's just going to be Johnny Cash doing Ring of Fire four times. <laughs> I really <laughs> like that song. <laughs> All right. I'm Johnny Cash. Here it is again. <laughs> Well, there's, you don't let's like be it. Honest. There's a door. There's, there's probably <laughs> been <laughs> show, there's probably been shows where Cash was messed up enough that that actually happened. <laughs> Accurate. Um. So yeah, that that was a a combo me and Thea list. Okay. Um. But yeah, no, it's just gonna be it's just gonna be a Ring of Fire four times. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, Will, uh, what have you got? <laughs> All right. So I do have a list for you, during which I made what I think is a very astute observation about the high women. Kind of blanket statements here. It seemed like Waylon was the best kind of all-around guy. He could write, he could sing, he could play. Like, he can get everything done. Honey, you know? I appreciate your forethought, but I really want some pasta. So get to your list there, Hoss. Anyway. If, it... if you're not doing your list in five minutes, I'm leaving. <laughs> I think Chris is the best songwriter. Willie was the most prolific. And Cash was the one where it shouldn't have worked, but it did. So with that said, here we go. Starting with my four from Waylon, I'm going with Waymore's Blues. Following that Good up one. with... Lucille. All right. Going to, you guys knew it was coming. It's one of my favorites. Clyde played the electric bass. That's number two. <laughs> which would have been number one. And grace. Which would have been number one if not for a song that TJ, you introduced me to, Rose in Paradise. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think, uh, I want to say that Thea threw that one out um, on the Yeah Hum podcast. I think she, I think that's one that she, she put as oh, well. Nice. I like it. So it's much a great, depth. it's a, it's a great yeah. song. It really is. With a bit of mystery to it. Yeah. Love it. Then we'll kick it over to Willie. Uh, my heroes have always been cowboys. Uh, I'm also okay. going with funny how time slips away. Great song. A fun song. Oh, yeah. great one. Great song. Kind of, kind of funny, but I mean, definitely a sad note to it. LD with you on blue eyes crying in the rain. And my number one is you were always on my mind. I, I love Willie's version in particular. It's fantastic. It really is. Like we were last night, we had a listen party kind of between dinner and our movie. And we listened to the Willie songs and you're always on my mind. It's just, just a great song. Like for some reason though, Willie could sing the ingredients to wonder bread and make it sound <laughs> sad. He may have. <laughs> Wouldn't be surprised. Star, he probably did. Starched flour. Oh, <laughs> great. Star kicks in. Um, we're going with Johnny next. This one is the one with, I think, almost no surprises. Except for maybe this, this first one. I'm going with When the Man Comes Around. Okay. Really great song. Actually, Terrific song. Love it's that a one. Great, it's a great song. You know what was used to great effect with? 
was Tom, in the intro of Dawn of the Dead, mm-hmm. the remake when they're doing the the intro credits, done to perfection, so good. Like they could not have chosen a better song. No, not at all. Following that up with Walk the Line again, it's a classic. It may be long, it may be rambling, but I'm putting a boy named Sue on there because you got it. Yep, I mean, Written by yeah, the great Silverstein, great song. Is he dead? Shell is dead. Yep, Shell died in 1999. Real, I, yeah, I vaguely remember that, but like, it's like one of those things you're like, wait, did he pass? Did he not? I can't remember. We do. We we discussed it the week you were absent, actually. uh, Shell's death. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Thank you. Yes, making it no less tragic. So, so we got that. Rounding it out with Ring of Fire. That's gonna be my my Johnny list. Mr. Chris Christopherson. I went with the kind of lighter side of Chris with this this list. Nobody wins. I think it's just such a great like love law song. So sad. Loving her was easier. I anything put, I'll ever do again. Anything I'll ever do again. I am going to put "Help Me Make It Through the Night," but which okay. version do I like better, his or Ray Stevens? Uh, I don't See, know. That's, Chris that's the it. problem. Like yeah. I really like it, but I love Ray Stevens' version. So uh, because it is Ray Stevens adjacent, I gave it to, I gave it to Chris. And Chris wrote it to be fair. So. And capping it all off with a Sunday morning coming down. Okay. I don't think, uh, I think we may have a hat trick on that one. Highwaymen, which as we learned our songs actually by the Highwaymen. Here we go. Uh, Silver Stallion. No way. Is that the one with Tom Petty in it? <laughs> a traveling Highwayman. And I, I think I just audibly heard my brother's soul leave his body <laughs> to travel to Georgia to slap me in the face. <laughs> <laughs> yep i'm 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 sending a uh you're getting a drone delivery and it's a swift <laughs> kick in the nuts <laughs> uh, yeah very nice i have silver stallion the 20th century is almost over okay i think that one's kind of fun it's it's, a little and that light. one was written by john prime and steve goodman actually oh i did not know that part yep oh, nice 20th century is almost over american remains and of course the immortal desperado is waiting for a train Duets and collaborations, yes, Jackson is on there. I think it has to be. This is such a great song. Um, I am putting one on there with Willie, because again, he sang with everybody. I'm doing Roll Me Up and Smoke Me When I Die. As we know, he performed that with many people, including the late Jimmy Buffett. Um, Ain't No Road Too Long, you better believe Big Bird's on my list. And then I'm actually capping this off with Willie Nelson and Julio Iglesias to all the girls I've loved before. To all the girls I've, I've loved, loved before. To, in <laughs> to all the girls I've loved before. Lord, I was born a rambling man. Shut up! They didn't do that. Not that. We're not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, four song encore. I'm going with The Road Goes On Forever, Folsom Prison Blues, Mamas Don't Let Your Babies Grow Up to Be Cowboys, and we cap it all off with Highwaymen. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. Okay. Um, thank you very much. Good list. Very good list. We have a, a good many intersections, but but not all. So I, I have a couple that nobody else picked. I'm going to start with Chris, and I'm going to start with one that I no one else, y'all didn't pick, and nobody on the yeah uh huh companion podcast picked. That would be the Pilgrim Chapter Thirty Three, and I picked it for it is a wonderfully written song, but. He actually wrote it, at least in part, about Johnny Cash. And the chorus is, he's a poet, he's a picker. He's a prophet, he's a pusher. He's a pilgrim and a preacher and a problem when he's stoned. He's a walking contradiction, partly truth and partly fiction, taking every wrong direction on his lonely way back home. Damn. (laughs) I hear you, Chris. That's some stuff there. So that's one of my favorites of his, the Pilgrim Chapter 33. I think a couple of uh, 
a few there have been a few selections of this next one that would be why me lord just always really like that one um i pick sunday morning coming down even though to me it's i consider it more a cash song because cash covered it obviously and he's his version is kind of sin- considered the definitive version but chris wrote it and he did the original so i'm gonna leave that one with chris and then i'm gonna finish up my four with chris uh, with help me make it through the night so that's my poor chris christopherson songs go with willie next this one was very difficult but i ended up settling on whiskey river if you if you know anything about willie willie opens and closes every concert with whiskey river he plays it twice every show that he does so i of course have to have him play it at least once as part of this and I, and it's a great song and i love it um up next i've got uh, me and paul which, of course, Waylon turned into me and Tom Paul. You'll remember we played that one, but I love Willie's version of that uh, about life on the road with his buddy Paul English. Blue Eyes Crying in the Rain, I think you have to put it from the Redheaded Stranger album. Just an absolutely beautiful song. Ding, and ding, I, ding, ding, ding. We all picked the same song. Hat trick. We all picked that one. Now, drink. this last Willie song, I, I, I agonized over and I've changed it several times. I'm just going to stick with what I have written. And that would be the nightlife. That is an all time, absolute classic. And Willie wrote so many that other people made tremendously famous. Hello walls and crazy and funny how time slips away, all these other songs, but I'm going to stick with the nightlife. That's, that's one, one of my favorites of Willie's up next. I've got Johnny cash, the cash and the Whalen ones absolutely killed me absolutely kill because their their catalogs are so mammoth and so filled with so much great stuff and in johnny's case it's almost like he had three separate careers you know he did the more rockabilly sun stuff so that's foundational american you know rock and country okay so then he did his more you get into 60s 70s and he did more main you know the more mainstream country stuff that that a lot you know a lot of people know him for and then he had that late career resurgence with Rick Rubin, where it's almost like that's a whole separate, that's almost like a whole separate person having a separate career. It's almost like you've got three whole separate you know, phases of his life to pick from, and I love all of them, and there's so much good stuff, but I, I'm just going to go with what I have written down, or I'll just drive myself crazy. Also, will pick The Man Comes Around. I always love that song since the first time I heard it. I went with another Rubin era. American recording song. That would actually be something we played back in our Tom Petty series. That would be Cash's take on Soundgarden's Rusty Cage. Oh, nice. Yeah, I remember that one. With with Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers playing as his studio band for that one. I, I love that. I freaking love his version of that. And then you get, we've got to pick from a bunch of Cash classics. I went with two that I think everybody else picked. Wanted, there's several like slightly off the beaten path ones I thought about, but then you you finally, what you have to come back to is if I'm seeing them in concert, what songs do I want to hear? And I want to hear I Want the Line and I want to hear Folsom Prison Blues. <laughs> so those, those are the two I picked. Waylon, obviously, this one was extremely difficult for me because I'm a huge fan of his entire catalog, but I'll just stick with what's written on this piece of paper. I've always been crazy. Ain't living long like this. That's just two absolute banging, rocking songs. So I definitely oh, want to hear about, about that one. So good. I also way more blues will, but I specifically want the Waylon Forever version with what Shooter in the three fifty sevens. It is okay. I actually like it a good bit better than the original, which I like a lot. 
So I specifically want the Wayland Forever version. And then I'm going to put I'm a Rambling Man. My four Highwaymen songs, I think you have to throw in Highwayman, which gave the group their name. And it was you know, a huge number one hit. And it's a fantastic song written by the great Jimmy Webb. Desperado's Waiting for a Train. Again, they're covering a Guy Clark song there. And it's just, that's terrific. I mean, all-time great storytelling. I heard Phil talking about this particular song as one he did not care for. I love it, though. It is what it is from their final album. I think, A, it's it's a rocker. I love the organ and I love the, the guitar on it. But the way they trade the lyrics off and the perfect lyrics are put in the mouth of each of them. I mean, you've got Willie saying... I've been so cool, I couldn't hardly even stand myself, which just fits Willie to a T. <laughs> and Chris saying, you know, I've been so weird, would have killed a normal man. And Waylon throwing in, I've been Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. It's just, it's they parsed out the lyrics to that absolutely perfectly. There's a lot of great songs on that last album, which I, I really liked the whole thing, but I went with It Is What It Is. And I'm going to go with another favorite of mine, their cover of Billy Joe Shaver's Live Forever, which we heard at the end of Waylon Part 14. Duets, this was hard. I chose to stick mostly within the group with one exception. So we're going to have Waylon and Willie doing Mamas Don't Let Your Babies Grow Up to Be Cowboys. We're going to have them doing Good Hearted Woman. And we're going to have them doing Just to Satisfy You. And I got it down to two other ones. I'm just going to go with what I with what I, what I originally put. We'll have Merle Haggard join the proceedings to sing Poncho and Lefty with Willie. Oh, that almost made my list. Um, that is such that is one of the best pieces of musical storytelling there has ever been and their version of it is sublime and i'll tell you what i narrowed it down to was either that or willie and ray charles doing seven spanish angels another good one which i which i love and i I really wanted to pick but that's the thing you start looking at your list you're like okay well yeah i'd like to put this song in what am i going to cut out to make room for it because you only got four for each category and that brings me to my encore and just for effect we're going to have willie walk out just willie and an old trigger and he's going to play ding, 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 ding. and johnny is going to sing i hurt myself today and i think mm. that would be that you want the encore to be special and to, to in, in this case punch people in the fields and i think presenting that song that way would probably do that just probably willie on acoustic and and john singing and maybe the other two doing whatever Vernon wanted back, whatever they want to do. <laughs> they can sing back up or something but that's how i envision that one being played then we're going to have a Waylon song that the highwaymen actually did cover that being are you sure hank done it this way because i love that song and we needed to hear that then we're going to have another of cash's big hits and i think this is one they also would do in concert as the highwayman that being big river and we're going to close out. This is one they could all trade back and forth. A classic written by Billy Joe Shaver, made popular by Waylon Jennings. We finish with, appropriately considering who is on stage, Honky Tonky Rose. And that is my set list. Very nice. Yeah, we're here. But anyway, so that was that was my set list. And we've now reached the end, guys. This was a 15-week odyssey. I appreciate you guys humoring me while I did this. But... Just kind of your your closing final thoughts about uh, Waylon and everything you've you've heard for the past few months. All right, I'll go first. So you know it's easy to listen to the last fifteen episodes and go like, "What a maniac! He was crazy. Look at all the you know crazy stuff he did. Like, ha, huh, burning down a place, and yeah, walking off TV shows, and yeah, doing a 
duet with a bird and yeah, having cocaine. Like the thing is, we would not be sitting here today in the hallowed halls of rock and roll heaven if this man wasn't genuinely one of the best recording artists of the last 75 years. The thing is, yeah, he had a crazy life, but the fact is he wrote, recorded, produced, performed some of the most iconic songs of Outlaw Country, creating an, his own subgenre of music and surrounding himself with like-minded people that maybe didn't have a place beforehand. And so it's easy to brush him off for all of his antics, but you can't ignore the talent that he was. And that's what I have to say. Very well put. Will. Yeah, I mean, I, I go along the similar lines of there's so much music there that I just didn't even know existed. You know, the depth of his catalog, the the people he worked with, there is just a seemingly endless, you know, mind to dig in for music there. And yeah, it's like, you know, he's largely a country artist, but, you know, again, with this, the reach he had musically, it's just unbelievable. It affected the whole of the music scene, you know? Again, massive country artist, but I think that belies sort of his musical stature. And yeah, you know, you go into the crazy stories and they're a lot of fun there. But, you know, then you talk about the times that he was, you know, he had his family and, you know, when he did get clean and, you know, the struggles he had, you know, being on the road and finances and everything else. And it's just, you know, it's an interesting picture. And I think it's easy to just look at him and go, oh, that crazy Waylon, you know, um, I'm glad I'm glad we learned more about him. Although the Tom Snyder incident is still my favorite of all time. I, I will stand by that. And and setting Big Bird on fire. Yeah. And singing with Big Bird. That's an achievement. Yep. Um, I think both of y'all were right, and you touched on something I've, I was going to bring up myself. And I, I hearken back to, it was actually said about Ozzy Osbourne on the old Behind the Music series. And I don't remember who said it, but they said, you know, uh, Ozzy is loved just for being Ozzy. He's worshipped by some people for being Ozzy, but... I don't think he gets the respect he deserves as a great musician because he, he's, he's a terrific, you know, singer and songwriter and performer. And I think that the same is true with Waylon and you both alluded to it. It's very easy to get caught up in cocaine bear and blowing up a venue and $1,500 worth of coke a day and tying George Jones to an oak tree and all this other stuff and lose sight of the fact that, you know, this is somebody who was immensely talented and, I told you, I told you at the outset of the series, I had a couple of objectives, and that among those was I want to remind people because I think people have forgotten what a big freaking star he was. And again, just go back and listen. First platinum album in country was Waylon. First double platinum album in country history was Waylon. First triple platinum Waylon. First quadruple platinum Waylon. He was playing the the dead were opening the Grateful Dead opened for he and Willie at Arrowhead freaking stadium, <laughs> like 85,000 people. He was on a TV show. Waylon was a mammoth star, uh, every bit as big as Hank Jr. in the eighties, as well as, you know, Garth in the nineties and anybody you ever want to pick big. If you want to go back as Hank Williams in the 1940s, there, I said it, he was, he was every bit as big as any of those people. But I also wanted to remind people that Waylon was a great songwriter. And we talked about it a lot. Until he got a little older, he, he was not real prolific, but every song he wrote was awesome. You know, his batting average was extremely high in that respect. He was, I think, an underrated guitar player, and he did electric live shows. Just go go find Waylon Live, the first live album he put out, and just listen to that. 
it's, it's magnificent. And you were right, LD. The dude almost created his own basically genre of music and had to fight the system to do it. But he he found these sort of fellow travelers. He found people like Chris Christopherson and Willie Nelson and Johnny Cash and Tom Paul Glazer and Kinky Friedman and Shel Silverstein and, and Ray Sawyer and all these guys who maybe didn't really fit anybody's idea of what a country singer was supposed to be, you know, that that Willie guy, he's, he's, we don't get him. He sings that, uh, sings off the beat. He does that jazzy delivery and he's all nasally. And they, you know, the cash guy, he's just insane. And Christofferson, he's writing freaking poetry. You don't have that in country music. And, you know, Kinky Friedman, what is it? What is, what is this Jewish cowboy from Texas know about country music? I mean, this is the stuff that those guys would have been people that would have been said to them at the time. And when you go back and look at them, that's, that's the core of, of the outlaw country music. Move. They took over Nashville, and all of them were tremendously talented people who who deserved to be heard. And thank God they were. And part of the reason that they were was because of Wayland. But I think you know we we focus so much on the crazy stuff and the great music and all this other stuff. That what I one thing I to say in closing is if if you go back to the very beginning of this episode, what Chris Christopherson said. He said Wayland was an American archetype. He was the quote bad guy with a big heart. Take all the put all the crazy stuff aside and look, Waylon engaged in some things that, you know, he was wasn't proud of. The last song we're going to hear in a minute has has a line where he basically says, you know, I'm not proud of all the things that I've done, but I've, I've never intentionally hurt anyone. And I think that's part of it. You know, he, he did some selfish things and some some self-destructive things. But go back to Sue Brewer, who ran the 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 boar's nest when she was sick. Waylon provided housing for she and her kid. And when she died, he set up two scholarships in her name. When he met a young fan who I believe had a terminal brain tumor, he paid for her and her family to go to Jamaica. When he, he met a fan who t- walked up and told Waylon, you know, I can't see, but I would like, I want to know if, if I could feel your face. And Waylon's okay. And as she felt Waylon's face, she said, okay, now I know what you look like. He cried. He bawled his eyes out he loved sesame yeah. street for crying out loud and when when george jones was about to lose his house and his tour bus and his cars it was waylon and johnny who went and paid his debts off and didn't want credit for it didn't want him to know he did it he only found out because somebody at the bank told him whatever you take you no know, this has been tremendously fun with insane antics and uh, some of the stories are, almost don't seem believable and this gigantic catalog of great music I think at his heart, Waylon was a good-hearted man, to borrow a, a phrase from, to slightly tweak a phrase from one of his most popular songs. He was just, he was a humble country boy from Texas who made it big and never forgot where he came from and had a heart as big as his home state. And I think that's about all I've got to say about it. Well, we have come to the end of our series on Waylon Jennings. I hope that, you know what, TJ, I hope that you felt the pain that I felt when I was doing Michael Jackson. Just a little bit. Like I just had a baby? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but ours went with like an entire uh, field trip to Neverland Ranch. Right. And then I I haven't taken any field trips, but it's it's a very rewarding undertaking that I enjoyed very much. I will not miss, as you called them at some point (laughs) recently, the weekly book report. That part I shan't miss. (laughs) That's that's the thing we have. Doing this on an artist I love and who I I want people to know more about and hear more about was tremendously rewarding. 
Yes, we have. That's the thing. You have a podcast like kids. If you're going to start a podcast, here's the thing. Just know you're going to be doing a book report every single week. So when we got two extra hosts on, I was like, yeah, I'll have to do a book report every single week. And it was great. So that's that's the thing is that you you have been praised like we as a podcast have been praised for doing our deep dives. Uh, and there might be a few changes in our next series and the series to come, but we promise that we will give every one of these artists the respect and uh, time that they deserve. And so I'm really glad that we had 15 episodes on Waylon Jennings and 21 episodes on Michael Jackson. So that is, that's it. And also you didn't do a single Manford man's reference of the podcast. All right, hit it, Tom. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Tom McGuinness, and that was your federally mandated Manfred Man reference of the podcast. I hope you are satisfied. Yes, we are, Tom. Yes, we are. Every time. Every time. All right. Well, so, Will, are up next, sir. We are going to do a slap nuts next week. It is my birthday. A uh, week? Well, no, it's not. Is it my birthday week? No, it's not my birthday week. It's almost birthday my birthday next week. week. Yeah, it's almost my birthday week, and then we may take one week off after that slap nuts. But that's because me and Will are going to go celebrate my birthday in the happiest place on earth. And Back so, Volkswagen, the Shiner, okay. the the Shiner Brewery. Um, that is our, a happy place, like third happiest place on earth. So, we probably won't have an episode that week. But then, Max. Then after that, I'm just going to start ignoring him. Maybe he'll stop. <laughs> what are we going to be tackling? Okay. Will, what are we going to be tackling after that little break? Our next and... artist will be Skydog, Dwayne Allman. All right. Well, our social stuff is if you think that we're doing a great job and then you'd like to give us money. And at this point, like, why not? Look at us. We are rock stars. We are amazing. We are just a notch below Taylor Swift. So you should go to Patreon and uh, donate money because we're the, just that good. I'm kidding, of course. But if you would like to, to donate to our Patreon, you will get a little bit of extra features. You'll also get shout outs. There's a couple different tiers. At one point, if you uh, donate, I believe it's 20 or $25, you'll actually get to host the show with us, pick topics for the draft, all kinds of stuff. So head over to patreon.com backslash rock and roll heaven and uh, you can donate there if you would like check us out on twitter i mean or don't like we haven't posted there in like almost it's getting to the point where it's almost two years i lost the password and then like everything with x went down and i just i don't have it in me i'm pretty sure we're on threads but i don't even know what that means so uh instagram that's when we actually post on so go check that out which is rock and roll heaven lt you can check out our facebook page at rock and roll heaven pod and that is definitely updated almost daily so come have fun with us and uh, give your feedback on the shows and all that good stuff and you can also check out our website at, oh, no, I'm still not saying our website. Uh, you can check us out on TikTok at Rock and Roll Heaven Pod. And you can email us at Rock and Roll Heaven LT at gmail.com. And please make sure you check out all the other awesome Pantheon podcasts at pantheonpodcast.com. And that is pretty much it for me. So, Mr. Will, would you like to say anything to the audience? Oh, well, thank you for coming on this ride and stick around. we got some great stuff coming for you. So until then, stay golden, pony boys and pony girls. All right. I'm still not totally sold on that uh, that 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 goodbye yet, honey. You're going to have to convince me. Um, give it time. 
All right. Well, from all of us here at Rock and Roll Heaven to all of you out there at home, thank you guys so much for checking us out. Please make sure to check us out next week where we'll be doing our Lindley's birthday bonanza slap nuts. So it's going to be extra slappy. And other than that, love you guys so much. Thank you for putting up with my infirmed tail end. And please go vote for the Faces of Horror contest. I am still in the running from what I know. And check out my Etsy shop if you guys want any really cool movie-themed candles. Other than that, love you guys and check you out next week. I'm going to hand the reins over to my big brother who is going to close this series out in the only way he knows how, with fervor and excitement. And beer. All right. So we've uh, reached the end of uh, our 15-week epic on the great Waylon Jennings. We hope that you enjoyed this. We've gotten a lot of good feedback from you, so I hope that you maybe heard some stuff you had never heard before, maybe learned something about him that you didn't already know, but it was a, a, a fun undertaking and we certainly hope that you enjoyed it. So when you do something that, that's this mammoth and undertaking, much like LD with her 21 parts of Michael Jackson, you think, well, how in the world do I end it? And you know, there's one song in Waylon's catalog that pretty well sums things up, both in terms of his life and the last 15 weeks that we've covered it. This is one of his biggest hits, and I knew for a while this is the one I wanted to end with, so we didn't even talk about the song when we got to it in terms of his musical chronology. And if you're a Waylon fan, you're probably like, well, why the hell didn't they play this one song? It's a, it's a classic. It's one of his best. Ah, because we're playing it now, friends. We're going to close out this one in the only way that we can. We're going to hear Old Hoss himself, Waylon Jennings, and one of his all-time classics, and the Best way I can think of to put the icing on this big, crazy-ass cake. This is Hoss doing I've Always Been Crazy. Good night, everybody, from Rock and Roll Heaven, and we'll see you on the other side, Hoss. Goodbye, everyone.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 